Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Jacob Turner to the show. Before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. Synchrony HR, NWO IT Services, Go Brand Go, Edward Jones, Enterprise Bank and Trust, and the Tom James Company. And now to this week's episode with Jacob Turner. Jacob Turner, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. I appreciate you joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Brian. Uh, excited about the conversation today. Absolutely. Well, we met, uh, man, I don't know if it was six months ago. It was last fall, I think, maybe. So maybe it's even been longer than that and had a great conversation. And I had put you on a list of some people, uh, a list of the people I you know, wanted to get on the show. And so I'm glad we were able to finally make that happen today. And so let uh, I always kind of start with my guest on kind of talking about really their path um, and kind of your path is a, a unique path to the uh, listeners that we have for our show compared to the people we've had on the past. So talk to us about kind of growing up your path to Major League Baseball and then how you transitioned from Major League Baseball to being a financial advisor. Yeah, so I mean, obviously, the STL Leaders podcast, right? I grew up in St. Louis, uh, just across the river in St. Charles. So still live here with my, my family now. And, you know, I think about my path growing up, I, it revolves a lot, a lot around sports. It revolves a lot around my two brothers. We both played, all three of us played sports growing up. And, you know, that was kind of an all, all consuming thing for us in childhood. That was what we loved to do. Our parents supported that. Um, all the other people in our family supported that. And, you know, from a, the time that I can remember, you know, my, passion was baseball, right? And it was my childhood dream to play Major League Baseball. I don't know if I ever thought that that would, would turn into a reality, but, you know, Lord willing, I was given a lot of God-given ability and it worked really hard. Uh, went to Westminster here in St. Louis and was fortunate to get drafted out of, out of Westminster and kind of started climbing the ladder to Major League Baseball and had a, what I feel like was a very successful career, uh, played almost 11 years professionally. And like you mentioned, Brian, uh, after that career was over, was really looking to move on to the next thing. You know, I think for me, one of the biggest things that my parents had instilled in us was that we didn't really identify with what we did. You know, there was other passions outside of, of baseball that I loved. I love personal finance, and, and now that's something that I get to help folks do. Yeah, so talk to us about really that transition. What would you say was the biggest transition from Major League Baseball to becoming an advisor? Yeah, I think the biggest transition is 
you know, if you think about anything that we do in life, right, we climb this proverbial mountain, um, any job that you have, any new challenge that you have, there's things that you have to do each step of the way. And you look back over five or 10 years and you're like, wow, I can't believe I was able to do all those things. When I think about professional sports, it's, it's very similar, but I would say it's kind of that acceleration of those things. So although I played for 11 years, a lot of those things take time before that to start building up to it. And I think the, the biggest transition for a lot of athletes and for myself included is kind of going from the proverbial top of the mountain back to the very bottom of the mountain and saying, hey, I'm, I'm looking forward to starting this new journey again. But uh, being humble about it and understanding that there's things that you need to learn along the way, there's steps that you need to take and understanding that you have to love the process behind everything that you're doing to you know, start climbing that mountain again. Absolutely. No, that's, the, that's a very uh, good way to put it. You know, one thing I'm curious about is, you know, um, well, first, t- tell us a little bit about your firm, because I, w- I want to know a little bit more about the firm you work you got. Yeah. So when I got done uh, playing, I, I transitioned to working for an RA, which is a registered investment advisory firm here in St. Louis, and worked with some great people there. And my brother and I really transitioned from that firm, um, I guess, at the beginning of 2021 to start our own uh, financial planning firm. So that firm's JL Strategic Wealth. And really what the focus there is, is really working with clients that are on that accelerated financial arc. So very similar experiences to what I went through. So when I look at the clients that we're working with, the large majority are entrepreneurs and athletes that are experiencing that same idea that I'm coming into a lot of money or the money that I'm coming into is very lumpy and making sure that I'm doing everything in my power to maximize all those sacrifices that I've made. Sure, absolutely. So tell me this, um, how does being a formal athlete help you in that role? Yeah, I think it helps a lot. I think about personal finance as, you know, on one side, you have the X's and O's, the strategies, whether it's tax, estate, investment, savings that go into it. And then on the other side, you really have the personal element. And what I mean by that is personal finance is inherently personal, right? Like if you tell somebody one strategy over another person, they might feel differently because of their own experiences growing up with money. And when I think about the experiences that I had with being an athlete, it really helps me to connect with the folks we're working with on a deeper level than just the strategies that we're recommending. Because a lot of the feelings that they have towards finances or money or the work that they put in to get what they have is things that I've personally experienced. And it really allows me to, I think, go a level deeper in terms of those conversations. Sure, absolutely. And I would assume, and that brings me to my really my next question is you work with several athletes probably currently. Would that be a correct statement? Yep. Yeah. So talk to us about, you know, well, First, I, I, would, I would say from what your, you know, your previous comment there is that you have a, a personal understanding because you, you were one, right? You were a major league baseball player, you transitioned to now your, your role here. But I'm assuming somebody guided you along the 11 years you were in major league baseball, right? You had an advisor of something that helped you manage the money that you were making at that time. So what do you, would you say is the biggest challenge, though, of working with athletes today? Yeah, I think the biggest challenge is also the most rewarding part. The the biggest challenge is that you're starting with a blank slate. So if you think about most folks that go through kind of their journey, their proverbial journey up the mountain, 
they graduate college, they get their first job, they're making some level of income as they continue to have success and, and build on that, they make more income and maybe they have peak income years from ages 50 to 60. Yeah, when you think about an athlete or even an entrepreneur that's selling his business, those peak income years could be in a two to three to four year window and you really don't know what's gonna happen after that. And when I think about the biggest challenge is you're coming into it with this Blake slate of saying, I've never experienced having seven figures of income or seven figures of savings. And I can really go out and buy the things that I wanna go buy. Yet at the same time, I don't know if I'm gonna have this in another year or two. So you're dealing with this blank slate, but at the same time, it can be so rewarding because it allows us to come in and really come in from an educational standpoint and helping to better understand the client first, but also understand that we need to educate them on the steps that they're taking on all those little decisions that seem so, for lack of a better word, boring. But over time, those boring decisions can create truly significant wealth for folks and can really help these individuals create that generational wealth that, you know, the sacrifices that they made will be extended to their kids. Yeah, I think what's interesting about that, and I was smiling as you were saying that is you, you know, you see these athletes, and I'm not going to pinpoint any athlete out, but you see certain athletes in the news that file bankruptcy, right? And you look back at what they made through their career. And I'm thinking of a, a basketball player in particular here from St. Louis, that, you know, made a ton of money, and then had to end up file bankruptcy. And it's to your point, those might have been boring decisions to make. But if you don't make those decisions or you don't have a good strong advisor or somebody to help coach you through those and all you do is go and buy Bentleys and big houses and different cities and, and all those things and you don't invest your money wisely, um, to your point, when that career is over and that money dries out, then what do you have? Yeah, I think, you know, we always talk about compounding, right? We talk about compounding and investing, but there's compounding in every aspect of life and especially in terms of the lifestyle that you build out, right? If we buy a house and then we buy a bigger house and we buy a bigger house where we buy one car and then we buy two cars or all of a sudden we're taking three or four people to dinner every night those expenses start to compound on top of each other and i think it can be so easy from the outside looking in to say hey that guy made 20 30 40 50 million dollars how could he possibly spend all that but really it's that compounding of somebody's lifestyle sure. and the, the question that we always ask is you know do you know what it costs to be you if you were to, to shut off that faucet today and not be making any more money, what does it cost to be Brian, right? And what I mean by that is, what does it cost to own the house that you're living in? What does it cost to drive the cars that you're driving? What is the cost to send the kids to the school that you wanna send them to? What does it cost to go to the dinner every night that you wanna to go to? And just making sure that folks understand that building out a sustainable lifestyle is something that you can do. And you know, I always say you can live like a prince forever, or you can live like a king for a couple months, <laughs> and really making sure that that folks understand that sometimes these are boring decisions in the moment, but over the long term, they really have a great compounding effect. Sure, absolutely. What would you say are similarities in working with athletes and entrepreneurs? Because I know you work with both. Yeah, I think it goes back to one on the strategy side, thinking about when somebody's coming into a lot of money in a really short period of time, there's certainly decisions to be made, whether it's tax or state or investment that are very much related. And I think having a background and saying that, hey, if these are the only folks that we're working with, a lot of the complexities that they're dealing with are very similar. But yet, 
Also on the emotional side, I think there's a lot of similarities. If you think about an entrepreneur, they are often called an overnight success, yet they have been building something for 10, 20, 30 years to get to the point where everybody wants to talk to them, right? 10 years ago, everybody was saying they were crazy for doing what they're doing. And now they're having a lot of success. And I think probably a great example here in St. Louis would be, you know, First Form, right? First Form is a a huge self-made company that's based here in St. Louis, has done great work. But if you look at the story that they took to get to where they're at, they're certainly not an overnight success. And with that, I think comes this emotional connection to what you're doing. So if you have an entrepreneur that's selling his business, it's much more than just the X's and O's of saying, hey, I'm going to walk away with this much. And can I continue living the lifestyle I'm living with this much money? Right. That's one aspect of it, certainly. But the other aspect is, you know, we are so trained in life that, you know, the first thing that we ask is, what is your name? And you'd say, my name's Brian. And then I'd say, oh, that's that's great, Brian. What do you do? And, and you tell me about your sales role and the successes that you've had. You know, when you think about an athlete, an entrepreneur, the athlete might say that for a few years and then you might say, well, I'm, I used to do this. Or the entrepreneur might say, well, I used to own this company. And there's this inherent emotional connection to what we're doing. So making sure that the folks we're working with understand that there's going to be emotional challenges that come with transitioning to whatever it's going to be next and also helping them to think about what is next before we, we stop doing what we're doing. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, to all those points uh, it's, it's, you got to have, it's good to have someone like you, I guess, on your side that knows those, uh, those advantages and, and, and the different types of um, options that a, uh, an entrepreneur or an athlete, you know, has when it comes to investing in things along those lines. You know, one thing I was curious about is from an athlete's perspective, or I mean, it, it probably is a little different than an entrepreneur on what makes their finances a little unique, because to your point, an athlete could have a great three, four years of peak making a lot of money, whereas an entrepreneur, it could be a little bit of a longer window. Uh, it could be shorter too if they sell the business, I guess. But what makes an athlete's finances a little more unique, I guess? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. One, obviously, is that you know that the window is going to be extremely short, right? To your point, Brian, an entrepreneur could be building a business for 20 years and be making really solid money for nearly that entire time, whereas an athlete... We know that if you're going to be a Hall of Fame athlete, you're probably going to play for anywhere from 10 to 20 years, but you're not going to play for 30, right? Unless you're a golfer. So we know that window is going to be short. And also, I think the other thing that makes an athlete unique, especially in today's day and age, is that athletes are looking at themselves more as CEOs of their own enterprise, as opposed to just an employee of a company, right? So when you think about that, the challenges that come with that are one, making sure that they're protected when they're doing things that are off the field, that are outside of the scope of the team that's employing them. And two, making sure that the folks that they're working with, the team of people around them have an innate understanding of everything that's going into their complexities. And what I mean by that is they're not just making W-2 income, which would be the income that you're earning from the business that you're working for, but they're also earning this off the field income, which we we would categorize as 1099 or self-employment income. And making sure that we're taking advantage of the strategies that we can based on the income that they're making, which I think is probably the most common thing you see with athletes. Um, Nearly every athlete will have both of those sources of income. But I I think the other aspect that comes into it is, is really building that team of people that have that innate understanding, right? So when you think about an athlete, there's not a, I was recently at a sports lawyers conference and one of my kind of 
profound thoughts when I was there was, wow, this is so great for folks that are in this industry to be able to come to this as a young lawyer and understand what do I need to do to get into the sports industry? How can I grow in the sports industry? Who should I be connecting with in the sports industry? Who would be great resources for me? When you think about an athlete, there's not a place for these families to go to and say, hey, here's a hundred former athletes that were all first round draft picks that played 10 years that you can talk to about their experiences and the people they built around them and the resources. So making sure that we have people that not only understand what an athlete's going through, but also have experience working with them, I think is really important. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, when you're talking there, I'm thinking about, you know, obviously you're a piece of the um, what I'll call board of directors or executive team that an athlete needs to have, right? They're going to need a very good agent. Um, they probably need a good coach because to your point, they're, they're making money for, I'll just use the you know, baseball example. Uh, you know, they're making money from the Cardinals or whatever team they play for, but they have endorsement deals or they have, they're shooting commercials or they're shoot doing, you know, doing whatever, making other income from there. And they need a good team around them to advise them. Yeah, this is a good you know investment of your time. It's going to return this on the dollar or whatever that case may be is. So do you work with those other resources, I guess, as, as I, uh, to, to kind of help develop and guide players and athletes in the right direction? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when I look at the value that we add for the folks that we're working with, I personally think that's one of the biggest values. And the reason I feel that way is a lot through my own experiences. I had at the beginning when I first started and signed, I had a, a team of people that I had kind of assembled, but there wasn't a ton of communication between those groups of people. And when I think about the biggest value, it's making sure that all those people, whether it's the, the CPA, the estate planning attorney, the any other attorneys they have, their agent, their insurance agent, their property and casualty agent, all these folks need to be working in coordination with each other to make sure that that athlete is one protected, but also making sure that athlete has confidence that he can focus exactly what he needs to do on the field. When I think about, you know, professional sports in general, it's probably one of the most cutthroat businesses out there. It's the only business in the world where you come in on a Tuesday and if you're doing okay, they're still saying, well, if we find somebody better, that's a little bit cheaper. You might not be here on Wednesday. <laughs> You know, making sure that we're instilling confidence in the folks we're working with so that they can go out and perform on the field at the highest level. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. And now for a quick break, we bring in our sponsor, Enterprise Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Enterprise Bank and Trust knows that every business and every person is unique. That's why they get to know you in a way that the large financial institutions don't. They are our banking partner here at the STL Leaders, and I highly recommend that you check them out. To learn more, visit enterprisebank.com. And now, back to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. Um, let me shift gears here just a little bit for a brief moment, and let's talk about leadership uh, a, a bit. Talk to me about your views on leadership and kind of the different leadership styles that you, not only you saw on the field uh, when you were uh, playing baseball, but now kind of being in the role that you're in now. Uh, talk to me a little bit about leadership. Yeah, I think, you know, when I think about leadership and I've had the, you know, fortunate opportunity to be on a lot of different teams when I played. So seeing a lot of different leadership styles, but I think the one thing that always comes back is, right, a good leader helps bring up the people that are around them. And when I think about what makes a good leader and what makes a leader be able to bring up those people around them, I think it's really two things. One, I think it's being able to check your ego at the door. And what I mean by that is, right, like we've all 
experience the idea of we've kind of started at the bottom of the mountain and maybe we're somewhere up that mountain. When I think about the best leaders, they're at a level that you would want to be at, yet they're able to take the time out of their day to have the conversation with somebody who's who's working hard, who's trying to do the right thing and really help in giving them the time of day to instill confidence in them, right? That's the ultimate goal, right? We want leaders that can instill confidence in the people around them that can give them the resources to do their jobs, but also understand that, you know, we're not going to be looking over your shoulder, but we're going to be coming in every day with a positive attitude and instilling that confidence. And, you know, I think the other thing, and this is probably something that was more instilled in my brothers and I through our parents is just, you know, I think your word means everything, right? If you say you're going to do something, making sure that you're doing it. And I think that just instills confidence in the people around you, right? Our reputation in life is the one thing that we have total control over. If, if I tell Brian, I'm going to be there at, at 10 a.m., then I better be there at 10 a.m. And I think that that's really important. And when I look at the best leaders that I've been around, it's all those little things that they do where they just, everything that they said they're going to do is what they follow up and what they continue to do. Yeah, when you were answering that question, um, I don't know why this popped in my head, but I was just reading an article, I think it was yesterday, the day before in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch about Albert Pujols and how he is um, really, I guess, taking Yepes on the Cardinals team under his wing and is given, they've formed a relationship and and Albert is, you know, um, helping him in certain aspects. And again, I don't, it didn't really get into too many details, but um, and so when you were answering that question, that's what popped in my head is that somebody, if you think about Albert Pujols, he's, I mean, obviously he's on the end of his career, but he, he, if you look back and in, in baseball, the last, I don't know how many years he's been in the league now, probably 18, 19, I don't know what it is, but a long time, uh, he's, he's been one of the best players in, in major league baseball of all time. Right. And now he's at a point in his career where, you know, he's taken some of the stuff he's learned over the last, whatever it is, 20 years. Uh, and bringing that down to a young rookie like like Yepes, and that is, in my opinion, that's leadership, right? That's to your earlier point. That's checking your ego at the door and building up the people around you to make them better. Um, and I don't know another better example of leadership than that. Yeah, and I think you know the St. Louis community, right? Like everybody's a huge Cardinals fan, and when you think about the success the Cardinals have had, I think a lot of it stems from the leadership they've had. I mean, you look at guys like Molina and Wainwright who are known for taking these young guys under their wing when they still have the job of going out there and performing at the highest level. They're getting paid like all-stars to perform like all-stars and they've been performing like all-stars for the last 20 years. Yet at the same time, they're taking time out of their day when they're at the field to make sure they're taking these guys on their wing. And, and like you said, Brian, I think Albert has really taken on that role as well, but you know, I think it's a lesson that, that we can all take in business, right? There's always going to be people that are searching for that, that mentor, that role model that can help take them under their wing. And a lot of times they might not come to you, but I think we all know who those people are in the organizations that we're in. And it, it means so much, right? It can make or break somebody's experience, you know, and as an athlete, it can make or break your career. I, I look back at some of the guys that came into the big leagues and one of the biggest hurdles for anybody coming into a new setting, but I think coming into a setting like that where all the eyes are on you is, is understanding. And this is a really simple term, but I use it a lot is that everybody puts their pants on the same way. Right. And what I mean by that is that the CEO of your company, the CEO of another big company, the best player on that major league baseball team at some point was in your shoes. And making sure that, you know, as leaders in the community, we understand that 
and that there's people that we can go help and understand that we can help drive them to the next level of success. And, you know, it kind of goes back to your earlier point, Brian, on leadership. You know, our goal is ultimately to help instill confidence in these individuals and give them the tools and the resources that they need to be successful. Yeah, absolutely. I could literally could not agree with you more. We talk about that on the show all the time. Um, we talk about, you know, usually when I have a leader on here like yourself, uh, some point in the episode, we talk about creating your board of directors or creating your mentors and that most of the people that I've at least had on this show, if somebody's listening to this episode and uh, and they want to, you know, reach out to that person, 99% of the time that person is going to say, yeah, I'll, I'll grab a cup of coffee with her. Yeah, I'll have a phone call with you. You know, if, you know, if, if you're truly looking for mentorship and help and guidance and support, if you're looking to sell them something, it's a little bit of a different story. But um, we talk about that all the time. And so I, I really couldn't agree with you more on that on that point. You know, Jacob, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. So if there's something you can leave us with today, what would it be? Yeah, I think the piece of advice that I would leave you with is just start doing whatever you're thinking about doing, right? I think we, we think about life as we always want to know what's going to happen, right? It's human nature to be fearful of the unknown. But when I think about my own journey, there's been so many things that I've kind of had to just step out and just, just do it. And it wasn't the perfect timing. I didn't have everything in the right places when I did it. I learned stuff along the way. When I look back, I would say, I can't believe I didn't know that. But I've also seen just personal growth. And then I think a lot of people don't end up starting what they want to do. They might talk about doing something for a year, two years or five years, and they don't end up starting because it doesn't feel like the perfect time. But I would just encourage the viewership out there that if there's something that you feel passionate about, just start doing it. And, you know, the worst thing that happens is maybe you stub your toe a couple of times and you get better at it. But if you just keep pushing forward, um, you know, I think a lot of good things come out of that. Absolutely. That's a great piece of advice. On behalf of the STLers podcast and myself, Jacob, I appreciate what you're doing here in the community of St. Louis. I appreciate you coming on here today and sharing your wisdom. And thank you for being a great STL leader. Thanks for having me, Brian.